0: The John Steigerwald Show, sponsored by ServiceMaster of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand, the yellow van. Portions of today's program may be pre-recorded.
2: What is woke? One thing it's woke is turning your microphone on before you talk, but that's another subject. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Apparently, uh, that's a question going around right now. People who are anti-woke are being asked to uh, define woke, and those people seem to be having trouble doing so for some reason. And the woke out there are using that to say that there really is no such thing as woke, and people who complain about it, are just making stuff up. Well, it's actually a word that I don't like to use because it's become such a cliche, and I try to avoid cliches, but it's pretty simple to me woke is when someone is in a permanent state of virtue signaling it's a way of showing people that you are so much better than they are because you care so much more and it's what causes people to put signs in their front yard that say everyone is welcome here science is science no one is illegal and maybe mixing in a a black lives matter sign now, I've seen some yard signs in, in rainbow colors that just say, we see you and we love you. That's nice. Nothing wrong with that. But being woke is what causes someone to think that they have to put that on a sign to make sure that everybody knows how wonderful they are. That's fine if you feel that way. Just shut up about it. Being woke is also being willing to accept stupidity that you would never accept if not for the, for the desire to be woke. Um, now, a good example of that would be um, actually defending, you know, men walking around naked in women's locker rooms. You only don't think that's insane if you're woke. Does that sum it up for you pretty good? And if you're woke, you would never want anyone to know that you think that's ridiculous because that could be interpreted as you not loving everyone so much that you could never judge their behavior even if you know as well as everybody else, that it's insane. That's woke. Now, only someone who is woke would put their pronouns on their Twitter bio or on their shirt when they're working at Starbucks. And only someone who is woke would tolerate people who make up 0.44% of the population demanding to change a language that's been around for 1,500 years or so so that their feelings wouldn't be hurt. Because if you admit that that is insane, it might be interpreted as you not loving the mentally ill people who think they can change from one sex to another overnight unconditionally, that you don't love them unconditionally and don't question their mental state one bit. So if someone asks you to define what woke means, feel free to use my definition here, and no need to thank me. Meanwhile, when we come back, uh, speaking of woke... The children who are actually law students at Stanford have embarrassed an entire generation. And the idiots in charge out there have made it easy for them to do it. We'll talk to someone who says it's proof that 99.9% of the people running colleges in America should be fired. Maybe that's a little strong. And in our second half hour, someone from the Black Leadership Network will tell you why San Francisco's plan to give every black citizen in the city... $5 million as reparations for slavery is a ridiculous idea. Stick around.
3: Wouldn't it be great to work in a place that makes a positive impact on the people, businesses, and churches around you? That place exists. I know because I work there. My name is Cassie, and I'm the digital marketing specialist with Salem Media Group in Pittsburgh. Right now, Salem Surround has an opening for one talented salesperson to join our team. Is that you? We'll bring the training, you just bring the talent. An understanding of digital marketing and some direct sales experience will definitely help you stand out. What are you waiting for? Take the first step to a career that is challenging, rewarding, and helps to create terrific results for our amazing customers. Join the sales team at Salem Media Group Pittsburgh. Email your resume to brad.marshall at That's brad.marshall at salempittsburgh.com. Salem Media Group is an equal opportunity employer.
2: Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with My Pillow is launching MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow, and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, and coolest pillow you'll ever own. For my exclusive listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 is buy one, get one free with promo code STAG. MyPillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square to get the buy one get one free offer. Just when you thought MyPillow couldn't get any better, MyPillow 2.0 gives you the best pillow ever. Enter promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087 to get your MyPillow 2.0s now.
4: If you're a business owner, imagine getting up to $26,000 per employee. There's still time for business owners to file for the Employee Retention Tax Credit Program. This program is for business owners who continue to pay their W-2 employees during the COVID pandemic. Many businesses qualify and simply do not know it. All business types and industries may qualify. You can claim the credit even if you received a PPP loan. This is a cash payment and not a loan and can be claimed now. The licensed CPAs and tax professionals at dh Tax and File.
1: The word is out. People are abandoning their overpriced wireless carriers and flocking to PureTalk for the same 5G coverage, but at a fraction of the price. In fact, the average family saves over $800 a year when switching from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. And switching is so easy. You can keep your phone, keep your number, or get huge discounts on the latest iPhones and Androids. Right now, you can get unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data for just $30 a month. Or if you still want unlimited data... You can get that and still save a fortune. So make the switch and get the same coverage as the big guys, but at half the price. Go to PureTalk.com, type in your address to find the coverage at your home, then enter promo code Half Off, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's PureTalk.com, promo code HalfOff. Switch to PureTalk and get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data for just thirty dollars a month because PureTalk is simply smarter wireless.
0: The John Steiger. Show. AM 1250, The Answer.
2: Well, the Federalist Society out at Stanford University had the nerve to invite a conservative judge, Kyle Duncan of the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, to speak on campus a few nights ago, and all hell broke loose. Um, law students acted like sixth graders, and uh, people in the administration, of course, acted like idiots. Uh, there seems to be a lot of that going on. Avita Duffy Alfonso is a writer at The Federalist and the founder of Chicago Thinker. And she offered a solution, and she joins us now. Avita, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it.
5: Yeah, thanks for having me.
2: So <laughs> I know you speak from recent experience because we had you on as a guest a couple of years ago when you were a student at the University of Chicago, so you are not far removed from the insanity. How did you survive it?
5: Well, how did I survive it? I, I was able to find a small community of, of like-minded people at, at the University of Chicago, which was really helpful to my, for my sanity. Um, and, and we sort of banded together when I co-founded with some friends of mine, the Chicago Thinker, which is a conservative newspaper on campus. Um, but I think if you aren't able to do that, it can be a really isolating experience. You really feel like you're the only one that thinks a certain way, and eventually students begin to self-censor, and then after the self-censorship comes, then actually the indoctrination. And I think that's where a lot of students end up, end up going once they you know, have been in college long enough.
2: Yeah, uh, and I, this is not what I brought you on to talk about. We'll get to the Stanford uh, incident in a second, but I, I I wanted to ask you because you are a recent college student, and there's so much talk about this now, and you're you know you're as I said you're not far removed from it. Um, it. How much of this, and we'll get to what happened, the details of what happened at Stanford, but how much of what you know and what I know now happened out there is a result of of kids I'll start with kids who you know come in after high school and they're they're on campus how much of that is a result of uh what might have been a fairly normal person being indoctrinated over the three or four years and that and that makes them insane if that might be right. a strong word for it
5: well what well, well, the group think is really real which i think that which is what you're what you're touching yeah, on and yeah. it's it's everywhere. So you're going to get it in the classroom for sure. I, the, the professors, it depends on the professor, right? I'm not going to say that all professors are like this, but I would say most professors are, are pretty hostile to diversity of viewpoint. And, and then you have student organizations, the vast majority of them are, are left wing or have a left wing bent. If you say anything out of the ordinary or anything that's out of, out of the left wing orthodoxy, um, you get socially punished. And I think, the behavior of shutting down speakers is extremely normalized. It's been happening, um, for, for 10 years now, uh-huh. I think I, I, there's, there's reports like this and now it's only getting worse. And when I, that's what I actually wrote about with the Stanford pieces. It used to be a sort of fringy students that would, that would do this. And then it became kind of a majority of students. But now what's interesting about this case, is the students, and it's the administrators that are condoning this kind of behavior. And so it's, it's just really escalated. Um, and, and I don't see an end in sight until we get rid of these administrators.
2: Yeah. And you would think that law students at Stanford would understand the concept of free speech and the First Amendment, but they apparently don't. And to me, what's disturbing about it is that they're not embarrassed about the fact that they don't understand what it's supposed to mean.
5: No, there, there's no shame. They think that the Federalist Society should be embarrassed for bringing in a conservative speaker. And he, I mean, really, he's just a, a a judge who has some some more um, you know conservative viewpoints. Does, I, I don't think he you know he doesn't identify as as far right wing or anything. It's not like they brought in Milo Yiannopoulos or Donald Trump. Um, and so, they, really, and, and can you imagine if they did bring in someone who is semi um, controversial? So the 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 standard for the, the, the tolerance standard, is what I'm trying to say, is, is just absolutely out of control. At these universities, they, they aren't used to hearing alternate perspectives in the classroom. And then when somebody brings somebody else in who might expose them to a different way of thinking, their minds absolutely explode.
2: The judge ran into something called the Associate Dean for Diversity, Equity and Inclusion at the school. Her name is Tyrion Steinbach. Uh, What was her contribution to this fiasco?
5: So if you watch the video, I I I encourage everybody to go watch the video. I linked to it in the article that I wrote, but you you can find it online. The full thing is on Rumble. Um, They were heckling this, this judge so much during his talk that he had called for an administrator to come in and help control the students who were violating Stanford's policy on free expression. And this administrator comes in, takes the podium from him, and delivers prepared remarks shaming him, um, for coming to speak on campus and for the way that he's, he's ruled on certain cases in the past. It was ridiculous. She, she, she came in prepared to shut down his talk, um, and, and said that his, his rhetoric is harmful. It's dehumanizing um, for, for ridiculous things that are all dehumanizing. It's not like they brought in Hitler. Again, this is really reasonable sort of mainstream conservative rhetoric that this guy sort of holds um, and, and they, they could not handle it. And this administrator condone this behavior. Um, she said that what the students were doing was actually a good thing. Meanwhile, they're literally screaming and holding up obscene signs and prohibiting this man from simply speaking. It was, an absolute outrage! What she did, she violated university policy, and the university, to our knowledge, has not uh, punished her in any way, nor have they fired her, which is what they really should do.
2: Now, if these were sixth graders, which is you know what I referred to them as uh, when I'm leading into you here, um, the teacher would come in and say, "Now, children, uh, you know you, you're we've studied this in school that there's this thing called the First Amendment, and you're supposed to allow people to express their opinion." and it's not right for you to come in and, and demand that he be shut down. Uh, but if you have someone who's called the Associate Dean for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, she has nothing to do with teaching, does she?
5: No, and, and I have to tell you, there are so many of these pointless administrators at these universities. Their, their job has nothing to do with learning. Actually, what they do is inhibit learning, which is what this woman did. So, we, I mean, if you—it goes beyond— the diversity, equity, inclusion departments, which are a massive problem on the university system. They're injecting themselves into the classroom and into activities, um, and indoctrinating students, indoctrinating STEM students. Um, but also they just these administrators are pointless. They make the lives of students and professors so much more difficult. you want to dual enroll in a a course, you want to take any kind of study, you have to go through all these pencil pushers. They cost the students money, right? That's the reason our tuition dollars are so high. It's only going to get worse by the student loan bailout. Um, And they waste our time. And there used to be a time where universities were run just sort of by the professors and the students. If there was something that was not educational that needed to be dealt with, you know, sort of managerial, the the department heads would handle that. Now we have more administrators than we have professors. And at Yale, you have more administrators than you have undergraduate students. It's absolutely ridiculous. And and that's what I wrote in the article, but 99.9% of all of these people, including the, the DEI um, administrator at at Stanford need to be gone.
2: Yeah, ninety nine point nine percent is a pretty pretty strong number. There um, do, are, are there I answer. Mean, I know you haven't been to every college in America, but is it possible to imagine that there might be someone holding the job that's called? What did I say? She was the dean of diversity, equity, and inclusion. That somebody is actually using that job for good. Is it possible that that could be taking place somewhere?
5: Well, it, it, it's not a, it's not a, a, a necessary um, part of the campus. There was never a need for it. If you want to have a student group that organically comes together and talks about diversity, equity, and inclusion, totally so fine, they can do it. There can be any kind of student group students can think of, and that should totally be allowed. So free campus, free inquiry. But they're institutionalizing racism because these these. DEI um, institutes at the university are, are inherently Marxist. They're critical theorists. And, and their job is to push leftist ideology, particularly racist leftist ideology, what you find in, in critical race theory, onto the student body and enforce it. And it's, it's, it's playing a mind game with students because we're told to think about free inquiry. We're told to weigh the options, to read everything and to learn. And this tells us, actually, no, there's a right way to think about things, and this is it. This is the equitable, the, the non-racist way to view the world, um, and that is indoctrination in plain sight. These DEI departments and committees have no purpose on campus. They're antithetical to everything the university system should stand for.
2: We're talking to Avita Duffy Alfonso. She's a staff writer at The Federalist, the founder of Chicago Thinker. You can find her piece at thefederalist.com. Uh, Aveeta diversity, equity, and inclusion, by its very definition, should include people with diverse opinions, and should an, an inclusion inclusion I think means including people. So how can you have something called diversity, equity, inclusion, and having it uh, exclude people? It just makes no sense. And this is a this is at a, uh, 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 an institution of higher learning, supposedly.
5: So there, it just it reminds me of this, this line in South Park where they say the only thing we don't tolerate is intolerance. And that's exactly what it's like on college campuses. Anything that they deem to be intolerant, not a valid viewpoint. You're not allowed to say it. You're not allowed to speak on it. If you raise your hand and talk about it in the classroom, um, you, you will either be punished you will have your speaker shut down like at Stanford or, and this is what I think is is an even bigger problem is you'll be socially shamed and the social shaming is really what, what, what kills the intellectual diversity in the classroom. It's not about, I think your idea is bad because blank. It's I think you're a bad person because you believe this thing and, and suddenly you feel afraid to say what you think. And then, like I said, it goes to self-censorship. And then it goes to indoctrination. You start to actually believe the things that these people say about you, and all of the things that you were, that the values that you had from your parents, from your church, um, from back home, suddenly start to dissolve um, as you slowly become inculcated into the university system.
2: And how much of a minority are or were people like you on the campus who did not swallow this stuff and even push back on it? I mean, I know there's some, we obviously saw that there's a, the Federalist Society, and that's what caused this uh, fiasco out there is them having the nerve to invite somebody. But how much of, an, of a minority are, are people who are in groups like the Federalist, Federalist Society on the average right. campus?
5: So it's, it's, a good, it's a good question, and it's really it's hard to tell because of, of the self-censorship. So when I first came to campus, my thought was, I'm the only one. There's probably 10 other people who believe what I believe, and they're all at the College Republicans meeting on Wednesday night. And the truth is it's, it's, not, it's not actually like that because so many kids are afraid to say what they think in the classroom, that um, they, they not, they're afraid to even join clubs like the Federal Society. They're afraid to join the College Republicans or the Young America's Foundation. And so they're sort of closeted. You know, we talk about people in the closet and, and, and coming out as LGBTQYA. The real people in the closet on college campuses are are the conservatives, and the and the data shows that if you go to, to, to FIRE, um, it, they've done a lot of studies on this of how often students are self censoring and how often um, there are closeted conservatives on campus.
2: Um, and um, how do you suppose a, a dean for diversity, equity, and inclusion at a law school fills an eight hour day? Especially when you consider that, as you've pointed out, they have they have a lot of them. There's not What's her name? Tyrion Steinbach isn't the only one at Stanford. What how do they what what do they do all day?
5: Yeah, I, I think I think all day they are trying to contrive controversy and on the college campus. Anytime that you see sort of organic debate happening, they come in, they insert themselves, and they talk about how the other side of 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 the political spectrum is is dehumanizing trans people or spewing hatred. Um, and they also every so in the beginning of every school year, they have a big job. They come in and they do massive sensitivity required sensitivity training for the freshmen, already setting the standards of here's what you're allowed to say, here's what you aren't. If you don't follow by the rules we're prescribing on day one on campus, you, there will be punishments. You will be labeled a bigot on this campus. Um, and and that, that's really what their job is. Their job is intimidation, and they do that all day. And I, it's, it is a, a real problem.
2: So a freshman coming into Stanford right now, uh, let's say next fall, that's what the, pretty much the first thing he or she is hit with is um, the, somebody from the diversity, equity, and inclusion department tells them what they're allowed to think and not think?
5: Oh, yeah. Be, be, before, before I ever had a college class, the first thing I did was have three days of multiple sessions of sensitivity training oh. from my college's diversity, equity, and inclusion um, department. And I think really, I mean, what's really, if, if you want to take a step back, you're maybe you're not a conservative, you don't think about things this way. It, it's, it's really infantilizing students that you can't, you can't function as a human being. You need to be told how to interact with others. You need to be told what kind of opinions to have before you enter campus. These are legal adults. That are being treated like children by these equity, diversity, and inclusion departments and by the administration as a whole. And there was a time in the nineteen sixties when college when college students actually leftist college students said, We don't want the administration in our lives. We are adults. We're going to be we're gonna act like adults, we're going to have the freedom to live our lives way we want. The only thing that the university should be doing is conducting classes. And that has completely fallen by the wayside. And now the leftist students have changed course and they want the administration involved in their lives Constantly, And that happened the most during COVID. And the administrators, um, the way they treated students and staff during COVID was, was unprecedented and egregious.
2: Well, I have a little less than a minute to go. You would think, uh, Avita, that there would be some colleges out there, and I know there are some, but there would be a lot more who would look at this and say, you know, you know what would be a good marketing plan would be to advertise to parents that we don't have a, uh, a diversity, equity, and inclusion department that you're just oh, going to come here and learn stuff
5: a hundred percent right i would send my child to a school that had no administrators it was run just by the faculty
2: yeah well that well, your uh, column uh, maybe convinced a few people to do it a great piece today at the uh, federalist.com and hope to have you on again soon thanks Avita. thank you okay that's Avita duffy alfonso find her uh, work there at the federalist.com
0: SRN News, I'm John Scott, the House Homeland Security Committee, with a field hearing on the border crisis in McAllen, Texas. Committee Chairman Mark Green of Tennessee says there have been a couple of developments since the Biden administration began.
6: One, they're the policies, they're, and, and those policies came from the promises the president made during his campaign. And two, the State Department has allowed the return agreements to expire.
0: The panel's Democratic members boycotting that hearing. The way is cleared for the first major railroad merger in more than two decades after federal regulators approve Canadian Pacific's $31 billion acquisition of Kansas City Southern. Ohio filing a lawsuit against Railroad Norfolk Southern to make sure it pays for the cleanup and environmental damage caused by that fiery train derailment on the Ohio-Pennsylvania border in Palestine last month.
7: This is SRN News. thousand.
0: AM 1250. The answer. The
8: Mike Gallagher Show. He's your happy conservative warrior.
7: In New York, it was like a
8: sci fi movie. All the shelves have locks on them now. They can't keep the stores open. All the Dwayne Reeds and the CVSs and the Walgreens are closing in New York City. You know why? Because people stroll in and out shoplifting all day long.
0: Breaking news and what to make of it. The Mike Gallagher Show. Weekday mornings at 9. Right before it, Del Walmsley at noon on AM 1250.
2: The answer. Hey, John Steigerwald here for Johnny and Jesse Samick, my friends over at Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. When disaster strikes your home or business, demand the yellow van. Fire, water, or mold, Service Masters technicians are trained and equipped to get you back to normal fast. Even when dealing with insurance, you have a choice who repairs and cleans up the mess. Make sure you demand the yellow van. Call Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh.
0: Demand the yellow van. Call. Service Master. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP. Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app. Smart speakers. Tune in. iHeart or Odyssey.
2: Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with MyPillow is launching MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow, and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, and coolest pillow you'll ever own. For my exclusive listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 is buy one, get one free with promo code STAG. MyPillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com click on the radio listener square to get the buy one, get one free offer. Just when you thought MyPillow could get any better. My Pillow 2.0 gives you the best pillow ever. Enter promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087 to get your My Pillow 2.0s now.
0: AM 12:50. The answer. Weather.
4: Partly cloudy tonight with a low of 27. Tomorrow will be breezy with some sunshine giving way to clouds. High 56. Cloudy tomorrow night. Couple of late night showers. Low 46. Friday will be breezy with occasional rain and drizzle. We'll wrap up the week with a high of 54. Saturday will be windy and colder with intervals of clouds and sunshine. Expect a high of 38. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon.
0: This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer.
2: Well, maybe in among all the other insanity that's out there, you've heard about San Francisco proposing uh, reparations for black citizens. Uh, The numbers are really insane. Five million dollars per person. Um, That's not a misprint. Uh, Five million dollars per person. Homes in San Francisco for one dollar for a family. Is this a good idea and is it justified? Emery McClendon of the Black Leadership Network and Project 21 is a member of the National Advisory Board for Project 21. He joins us now. Emery, thanks for being on the show.
6: Oh, uh, thanks for having me today. yeah, I'm listening to your comment there about the five million dollars and the one dollar yeah, yeah, uh, for homes and then some of the other things that they've uh, incorporated into their new reparations program is absolutely phenomenal.
2: well, and I think i just saw I just saw something today um that uh, they the vote was unanimous on the whatever that's it's the city of san Francisco. I don't know who what or you know what the entity is that's voting on it the The city council, or somebody, but whoever's in charge of this is has voted unanimously to uh, do it. Now, the numbers may change, um, but is 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 this a is it a good idea? Just taking the numbers, ridiculous numbers, out of it for for a second.
6: It's not a good idea, period. Because first of all, San Francisco uh, is a state which is broke. And, um, of course, the city of San Francisco has always been harping about their financial problems also. They have a very high homeless uh, rate. Uh, They don't know what to do about that. They are having a policing problem and funding of the policemen and talking about defunding them. They're talking about all their other financial woes. And uh, now they want to add another $5 million per person on to reparations. And of course, like you said, the numbers could change and, and may very well change. And of course, the, if the, some kind of legislature or San Francisco, something city, city legislature is going to vote on this. And of course the, um, I forgot how I many, I think it was 15 members of the, of the committee uh, came up with these ideas and like the, the, um, the committee didn't even um um uh, shoot down any of the ideas that they got from the community and from others and also when they turned this over to the legislature, uh they also uh thought it was a good idea, even th- and they said they that that the the uh benefits far outweighed the cost of, of, of what this is gonna cost the the community in East San Francisco and, or California or however they're gonna finance this thing.
2: Yeah and and um it- that, that there's no uh, embarrassment, no shame. It, it seems uh, like maybe the greatest example of all time of how easy it is to spend other people's money.
6: That's absolutely correct. And here's the funny part about the whole thing. As noted in the article, you, um, we note that San Francisco only has um, a 6%, I think they said, minority population. As of today, it used to be a, a little bit higher. I think it was twice that. And... Um, they never, the state of California and, of course, the city of San Francisco, never had a black um, problem with slavery. And um, uh, so this is funny how they label this thing as a reparations bill. And they're, and they're um, uh, looking back at trying to make things right and rectify things and make people who have never owned slaves uh, in the state of California. And people who have never been slaves in the state of California become the victims on both ends of this. You know, it's like lighting a candle on both ends. First of all, we, we never owned any slaves. Our ancestors never owned any and on the other end we never were slaves and our ancestors never have been any. And I noticed that hidden in the law or the, the, not the law, but in the uh, recommendations and so forth, they said none of that mattered and they're uh, trying to word it so that it, it seems like a reparations bill But on the uh, hidden inside of it, it's also saying that it's it's to correct wrongs that the city did to some of the taxpayers and some of the homeowners and so forth within the city of San Francisco. So they're trying to label this as a reparations bill, but at the same time, they're also trying to look at it as San Francisco has made some mistakes, and we're here to correct those mistakes.
2: Yeah, I'm looking at the story now. The board expressed, quote, unquote, unanimous support for reparations even after Stanford University's Hoover Institution calculated that the proposal would cost non-black families in the city at least six hundred thousand dollars so I guess the question Emery would be a uh, hundred years from now will any of the people who get charged this six hundred thousand dollars be able to come back at San Francisco the the uh, the descendants of these people and say hey look You took $600,000 from my ancestors. I want it back.
6: Yeah, that's an interesting question. I also thought about that also. And I also thought about what about the lawsuits that might be filed um, uh, from these people saying that we didn't owe this, and you're trying to force this upon us, and if you decide to take this out uh, some kind of way. onto other cities, such as uh, um, uh, I think it was uh, uh, in Illinois, there was a city. um, Oh, boy, I can't think of the name. but they had this, a similar program and also St. Louis is looking at a similar program. Boston's looking at similar programs, but they have uh, plans in place, um, quote unquote, where they can uh, charge it to cannabis or some other form of taxation uh, to cover the cost of this. However, but the whole thing to me uh, regardless to what you finance uh, reparations through, to regardless to what you label these bills to be it's something that shouldn't be because slavery ended, uh, in, in, 1865. And, and, um, uh, we've had ample opportunity to make things right. The United States of America under uh, the civil rights acts and other acts and other, uh, laws, other programs have given people ample opportunity to come to the forefront and say, Hey, look, I want to take advantage of this. I want to be able to use the resources that available to me, uh, and to, and to make things right. You know, but now uh, to to, to continue this on and on and on and on and on um, in the 1900s, the the 2000s, now into the 21st century, it's absolutely ridiculous. And it's something that the people need to rebel against and then tell the state legislatures, tell their city and municipalities that, hey, we will not allow this because it doesn't make absolutely any sense at all. And it's going to bankrupt these cities and these municipalities a lot more than what they already are.
2: But, as you know emery, if there's the danger if even if they made it fifty million dollars per family, that if you're a white guy and you're opposed to it, you're a racist. The only reason yeah, you would possibly have for being opposed to this is that you're a racist. that's right. what, you and know that's going to happen, that, and they're
6: they're already saying it in some yeah. of the uh, side stories that you read. If you oppose this, you know, I, I imagine that deep down in the trenches, you've got the groups such as Black Lives Matters and others that are watching this. The, of course, the 1619 Project and so forth. Mm-hmm. And so here's the thing: those those programs and those uh, curriculums are pushing this too, because it helps uh, further their cause and helps to further the doctrines that they're spreading. It helps um, them also and their means to. Uh, keep us separated once one from another, you know, one race from another because uh, that's their main goal to mock uh, what has happened in the past and and to bring to the forefront the division and to make people think that we need equity uh, in order to make things right. But yet things will never be right because we're, uh, according to them, uh, racism will never be erased even through reparations. And, and, and I think that's even stated in the, uh, san francisco i know i read it in one of them uh one of the various cities that even with reparations when this is all all over and said and done racism still will not uh come to an end and we will still not be satisfied
2: yeah i'll I'll give you a little quote here uh and we're talking to emory mcclendon of the black leadership network he's on the national advisory board for project 21 um there wasn't a math formula. San Francisco chair of the African-American Reparations Advisory Committee, Eric McDonald, told the uh, Washington Post, quote, it was a journey for the committee towards what could represent a significant enough investment in families to put them on this path to economic well-being, growth, and vitality that chattels slavery and all the policies that flowed from it destroyed. So uh, I, I guess the, the premise here is that, Families in San Francisco now are still suffering the effects of chattel slavery that ended 150 years ago.
6: And if it is, it's nobody's fault, but you're on. I listened to uh, someone today talking from Project 21, and we were talking about um, the opportunities that have been uh, passed down to these different communities and to black people over the ages of, of the um, United States of America and, and how America has fought so hard to eliminate this now Here's another thing that we looked at, too, and that is you have a people who have been duped by their so-called racial and civil rights leaders. They've never been taught that personal responsibility that you need to get out there and, and seek the American dream for yourself. You got a a group of people who love to sit back and wait on the government to give them freebies mm-hmm. and also um, uh, uh, little states, stipends and so forth that just barely carry them through. You give a person like that five million dollars. What do you think is going to happen? You're going to see Air Jordan's out the kizuzu. you're going to see jewelry, you're going to see yeah. a bunch of people walking around looking like uh, Doctor, I mean, um, uh, Mr. T from the yeah. from the from the, uh, from the uh, TV series, you right. know, with chains around their neck. There's going to be more crime because people are going to be beating each other up, robbing each other, trying to get this stuff from one another, and, and it's going to be a complete waste. Rather than investing, <coughs> excuse me rather than invest in the money and the worthwhile causes, this money is going to be wasted if it is ever uh, uh, given to, to anyone. You know, my thing is that, that of course, San Francisco seems to be uh, pretty serious about, about doing this. But in most cases, we find out that reparations are just talk, 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 and nothing ever comes to fruition. But we'll see because in, in uh, Illinois, uh, they did pay out some money, but it was basically, uh, toward, uh, paying mortgages and making home improvements. So I don't think the cash actually went in hand, but in this case, we're talking giving people the actual cash dollars and also moving them into a house. You know, can you imagine a person that's gone out, worked very hard all of their life, got a mortgage, and then defaulted on that mortgage because they lost their job or because maybe something happened where tax rates went up and then and, and they just couldn't afford, they had medical bills. And then their homes are are, are taken from them in foreclosure and given to someone for a dollar.
2: Yeah, wow. Well, this says here, uh, according to the uh, the Board of Supervisors, while neither San Francisco nor California formally adopted the institution of chattel slavery, the tenets of uh, segregation, white supremacy, and systemic repression and exclusion of black people were codified through legal and extra-legal actions, social codes, and judicial em- enforcement. And um, and it says that, uh, you know, that this was that, – that, that it's not just about slavery. Uh, and so you could you could apply it, I guess, to anything. But here's my th- – yeah. yeah. And here's my thing um, – if uh, and, and these government people who who are so quick to want to throw money around like this, throw it at problems to show how wonderful they are, even though they know that they almost never work. Um, I wonder uh, what what kind of education black kids or all kids are getting in the San Francisco city schools these days. Uh, what percentage of them are reading have uh, you know showing reading or math proficiency? And if you want to sue somebody, it ought to be the kids who have been forced to go through urban schools the last 50 years. That would be a good lawsuit, that that my education was fraudulent.
6: Amen. I I agree with you totally. And not only that, but what about, though, what's going to happen later on down the line when you've got this transgender push and the the sex changes and so forth and Mm -hmm. giving the kids these hormone drugs and so forth? Are we going to have to come up with reparations for that also? You know, this is a very serious situation, and I think it's a it's a, it's a, uh, a gross misuse of taxpayers' funds. It's a gross misuse of people's ability to be able to take care of their own financial obligations. And I think the city of San Francisco is going to regret this if they pass this and, and, and it comes to fruition. And frankly, like I said, I don't expect this to work because I don't know where they're going to get the money from. And I, I've, I've looked at this and looked at this and looked at this. I've written about this as far back. Uh, and op-eds and so forth as far back as 2017, 2018. And I, I pondered and discussed this with other Project 21 people and other organizations. And we just cannot, for the life of us, understand how in the world these communities are going to come up with this money and how they're going to try to sell this to the people. We've got enough problems now with inflation and, and with the bank closures and, and, and defaults and so forth in this country with supply chain problems and so forth and now they're going to, to add another 5 million dollars per person. I mean that's billions and billions of dollars over the over the over the time frame that we're looking at here.
2: Is the message to blacks uh, coming from government especially young black men uh, that, that they're helpless victims who who need who need people like uh, Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi to survive that they and then and, and that's what those people want is to create that impression.
6: Yes, and it's not only coming from people like Joe Biden and the Biden administration, and it started, you know, really uh, to uh, come to forefront during the Clinton administration and the Obama administration. But it's also coming from these groups that these people are looking up to, and 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 uh, these groups that are supposed to be uh, their leaders and are supposed to be giving them a help, helping hand, and showing them the way, such as Black Lives Matters, uh, Antifa, and you're looking at the 1619 Project. And all these other um um alphabet type uh curriculums d e i s e i and um and other ones you know that are coming into our schools and so forth they're telling these kids that you're helpless you need us um your peers who you um hang out with, you can no longer hang out with them anymore because they hate you, you hate them, they have it and you have nothing and you need to get part of what they have by them giving it to you. And this is what reparations all about, taking from one group, giving to another. And uh, that group that they're taking it from are are, are many of those groups, they're not uh, hand-me-down recipients of their parents' wealth, but they worked, went out and worked for what they got and they made something of themselves by pursuing the American dream, but now all of a sudden, these groups and the government want to just hand it out and dole it out and it's like like the old addie says it's easy to spend other people's money, especially when you don't have to worry about it and you you're elected to a position, and all you do is just sign the dotted line or take a vote
2: and you don't you also don't have to pay the price for the mistake you made; somebody else will pay the price down the road hey um. Uh, Emery, I'm really uh, glad you came on the show. I appreciate it.
6: I appreciate you having me on. I just like to take every uh, thank you once again, and I'd like to tell everyone: take your time. Look at this. And, and just look at what's going on in America. We're already bankrupt enough. we are already got enough problems in America without adding on more and more debt.
3: Wouldn't it be great country. to work in a I place that has a everybody. positive impact on the people, businesses, and churches around you? That place exists. I know because I work there. My name is Cassie, and I'm the Digital Marketing Specialist with Salem Media Group in Pittsburgh. Right now, Salem Surround has an opening for one talented salesperson to join our team. Is that you? We'll bring the training. You just bring the talent. An understanding of digital marketing and some direct sales experience will definitely help you stand out. What are you waiting for? Take the first step to a career that is challenging, rewarding, and helps to create terrific results for our amazing customers. Join the sales team at Salem Media Group, Pittsburgh. Email your resume to brad.marshall at salempittsburgh.com. That's brad.marshall at salempittsburgh.com. Salem Media Group is an equal opportunity employer.
2: Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with My Pillow is launching MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow, and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, and coolest pillow you'll ever own. For my exclusive listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 is buy one, get one free with promo code STAG. MyPillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square to get the buy one get one free offer. Just when you thought MyPillow couldn't get any better, MyPillow 2.0 gives you the best pillow ever. Enter promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087 to get your MyPillow 2.0's now.
8: your investor and experienced operator in its core area of operations. Call now and learn how to deduct 100% of your investment and create 20 or more years of potential monthly income. Call 800-287-6691. That's 800-287-6691.
9: Did you know that the average price of a used car is up over 40% from just a year ago? The cost of living has gone up and the cost for auto repairs is rising as well. The car you have needs to last you longer than ever. So if your vehicle has less than 150,000 miles with an auto warranty about to expire, or with no warranty coverage at all, you need to call CarShield at 800-523-8667. We've just announced a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle service plan to help save thousands of dollars on out-of-pocket expenses for future auto repairs. While the cost for new and used cars continue to go up, CarShield offers protection plans at an all-time low. Drivers who activate their plan today will also receive 24-7 coast-to-coast roadside assistance, courtesy towing and emergency tire, battery, and key lockout service. Call 800-523-8667 today to save 20% on your plan. That's 800-523-8667. Keep your car protected. Call 800-523-8667. Again, 800-523-8667. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer.
2: Uh, let's finish with some sports, uh, and not basketball, but hockey. And Sidney Crosby, uh, Josh Yowie, who's been on the show a few times, does a great job covering the uh, Penguins for the Athletic. And he wrote a piece about Sidney Crosby yesterday. And everybody, whether you're involved in sports or like sports uh, or not, uh, you you really need to appreciate Sidney Crosby. Uh, this is a kid who came, and not a kid anymore, obviously. He's 35 years old. But he, he came here as a kid, 18 years old, uh, a franchise that was about 20 minutes away from bankruptcy and people thinking it was about to die. And he had was brought in with the idea that he was going to, first pick in the draft, lottery, you know, they won the lottery, got him as the first pick, and he was going to save the franchise. Well, uh, he's now playing in his 18th season, and in every season that he's played, he has averaged at least one point per game. Wayne Gretzky is the only person in the history of the NHL to average one point per game uh, with 19 to start his career. So he's, he's the second guy ever to do it. But, and, and the guy has just lived up to the billing. They have won three Stanley Cups with him. That all, neither of the three would they have won. None of the three would, uh, would they have won without him. But here's the best part about Sidney Crosby. Josh Yowie wrote this story about his consistency and what he's done as a hockey player and just ridiculously consistent as a player. But here's what else he's been consistent at. I dare ya to go out and try to find one person in western Pennsylvania to say a bad word about Sidney Crosby. Eighteen years, half his life he's been here, you won't find one person. Talk to you tomorrow.
0: The John Steckerwald Show is a production of Salem Media Group and sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand, the yellow van.